Welcome, my lovelies. Welcome uh, to another Naked Football show. Uh, the intro to this uh, particular week's show um, might give it away as to who our guest is. But he is, as I said on Twitter, a legend uh, in the broadcasting circles. And uh, I'm not going to introduce him as uh, and tell you all about him. He can do that himself. He is the Foz, Mr Stephen Foster. How are you? Very well indeed, Graham. Lovely to be here. Good to have you on. Uh, a virgin, a naked virgin, if I may say so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed, yeah. Um, a night I'll never forget. <laughs> a night to remember. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, was gonna, I forgot what I was going to say now. I was going to ask you, uh, yeah, Foz was obviously, um, would be well known from the BBC, BBC Suffolk. Uh, he's also now well known as the match day announcer at Portman Road. And he's, for those who don't know, and hence the little uh, clue at the beginning, he's now presenting on Radio Caroline. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about all three? Yeah, all three I'll, I'll start with Caroline, if you like, because yeah. back in the 1970s, um, that's really where I heard all the great album music that I play on the radio station to this day um, and got into music big time listening to Radio Caroline when it was broadcasting from the North Sea, just off Felixstowe, mm. on board the Mi Amigo. Uh, Tony Allen, I remember, Simon Barrett was my favourite presenter, Andy Archer, who I later worked with, uh, was on board in those days, and Johnny Jason. And I used to listen every night while I was supposed to be doing my homework. Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. <laughs> Didn't do any homework. All I did was make lists of all the music the DJs were playing. Yeah. And I still do that for myself, obviously, to this very day. But that was a, a key time for me, getting into both radio and music. And I always fancied myself as, as being able to do a, a, a job as, as a pirate radio DJ. But, of course, um, I got involved with Hospital Radio Ipswich back in those days, and I'm back involved with them now. Um, and and it, my sort of radio career took off from there because I was soon working part-time at Radio Orwell and for Saxon Radio in Berries and Edmonds. And in 1990, the BBC came calling. Well, I applied for a job and, and got a job there. Was there for about 30 years before taking voluntary redundancy um, and going freelance, which is what I am now. And thankfully, Radio Caroline asked me if I'd like to do a programme on Tuesday morning, 10 to 2 in the afternoon. And of course, um, it took me all of a nanosecond to, <laughs> to say yes. And that's touchwood what I'm doing. In fact, I, I did a show um, yesterday between uh, 10 and 2. And um, yeah, love putting that together, love presenting it. And it really does sort of almost complete the circle for me. I was me. just about to say that, but you've, you've beaten me to it. Yeah, you've completed the circle. You've gone a long way around to getting the job you loved as a kid. Yeah. And, of course, for, for, for younger listeners, uh, although you don't have to be that young nowadays, <laughs> to um, Radio 1 was sort of uh, the BBC's way and the government's way of, of sinking, if you'll excuse the pun, Caroline the ship, wasn't it? It because was, yeah. they didn't like pirate radio, and so they had to come up with an idea for themselves. So they basically... Radio One, BBC Radio One was a. Uh, they used that to replace, and then they also nicked some of the DJs from. Yeah, Radio Caroline. Several didn't of them. They? John yeah. Peel being one. Yes. Certainly, he was on Pirate Radio at the time. Yeah. Um, Keith Skews, who was a oh, colleague yeah. of mine for for many years on BBC Local Radio, he was one of the first Radio One DJs. And there's that lovely picture of them all sitting um, outside. Um, the, the building, yeah, um, or, or a building. The, I think it's a church, isn't it? They're Is sitting it, yeah. outside. Can't remember the name of the church now. Um, you know, just by Radio One, and you know, ter- a very young Terry Wogan was there, and, and Jimmy Young, obviously, people like that. It's it's an incredible photograph. Yeah, they literally jumped ship, didn't they? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose 
you know, that they needed to, to secure some sort of future for themselves. Yeah. A lot of these presenters, I mean, many of them sort of lived hand by mouth, really, mm. and we, which you would do on, on the ships. But yeah, I suppose it was a, as a way of some of them getting a job at the BBC and, and Radio One. Tony Blackburn, another one, of course. Um, oh yeah, the first presenter on Radio One, wasn't he? And, and the one first with... record, Graham. Quiz question for you. <laughs> first record <laughs> on Radio One, played by Tony Blackburn. I, I've, I know, I, I know it. I should know it, but I can't remember it. Flowers in the rain oh, by, right, the by the move. Yes. And the first one on Caroline three years earlier was um, the Rolling Stones. Was it? Not fade away. Do you know that flowers in the rain thing was uh, a question the other day, or something? I saw it in the paper the other day as well. I thought I must remember that. And of course, I <laughs> forgot. I must say that Tony Blackburn had the best surname though of all of them, didn't he? Of I course, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, your uncle, isn't he? <laughs> My brother. <laughs> um, and, and at present, you're uh, you're you're obviously match day announcer at. Uh, the fortress, as they like to call it, I've never seen it as a fortress myself. But uh, at Portman Road, so it's had its moments, hasn't it? Yeah. As a fortress under the Joe Royal, yes, it era. did. Yeah. Um, we, we were pretty unbeatable for a while there, and of course in Europe under the of course, early days. yeah, at home, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been match day announcer. This is my second full season. Um, I did deputise for for Rob um, at the end of the season before the pandemic. It's difficult mm. to, to keep all these years in your head these days, isn't oh, it? Yeah, Certainly at yeah, our age, yeah. or my age. <laughs> but yeah, I, I deputised for Rob Chandler on occasions, and it became clear that, that Rob wasn't going to you know, be doing the job any longer. And, and the club asked me if I'd like to do it. And I said, well, as long as I'm not stepping on Rob Chandler's shoes, because that was, I, you know, I didn't want people to think I was after his job. Mm. I wasn't. I was a season ticket holder, loved going to all the games. But of course... Speaking to a microphone is is it's second nature to me. It's, yeah. it's what I do. It's my it's my yeah. living really, and and still is to some extent. Um, so yeah, they assured me that you know um, it wasn't a case of me replacing Rob. Um, it, it was just me taking over a job that was vacant. So I did the pandemic season um, <laughs> with absolutely nobody in the stadium mm. and barring, what, two games, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was quite funny listening to you announcing the substitution yeah. things, but there's no one there. <laughs> but, but the club were, were anxious, that actually, that um, it, it had some sort of a match day yeah. feel. Yeah. And someone like me being on the PA hopefully gave the players a, a bit more of a match day feel. Who yeah. knows? I've never spoken to the players about it. But it, it was pretty strange. You know, people were saying they would listen to, to BBC Radio Suffolk Brenner's commentary, obviously. Um, and there it was, and also on, on, yeah. on iFollow. Yeah. And, and there was this voice yeah. um, with no, no fans in at all. But oh, yeah. It, it would have been strange if you had no announcements at all. You know, yeah, the substitute just went on and then someone else came off. Exactly. So, yeah. um, and we, we played a bit of music as well. Uh, but it was a nice way for me, as a as a town diehard, to see all the home games. Yeah, in the flesh, as it yeah. were. Yeah, because not many people did. Yeah. That, what's what's the season? match day experience for you today? I mean, now because obviously, as a season ticket holder, you've been sucking all the atmosphere, etc. Um, do you still get that, or are you sort of in, sort of locked away, as it were? Um, well, certainly the build up. I mean, normally, as you well know, Graham, I'd, I'd be in a local pub for a couple of hours <laughs> um, and then arrive at I, I can, sort of I can edit, of, I'll edit that three. out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I used to go to the Thomas Wolsey quite a bit with yeah, some friends same, of mine, yeah. and obviously, um, the Greyhounds is a pub that's very popular now and a pub I, I know and love and frequent often. He used to frequent it in his car, but now they built on his car park now. And they what happened go. to that car park? I know, it's a They're disgrace. They're never going to get it back, are It's they? a disgrace what they've done to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, every sorry, time Keith. I go in to the, the Greyhound, Dan always asks me, um, you know, what's happening with the PA? When are you going to get that sorted? <laughs> Yeah, that's his, that's his comeback to you in the car park, it isn't is, it? Yeah, because yeah. we, we did have a, a long-running <laughs> Twitter. I wouldn't say it was never a spat, but it was a it was Twitter. Um, uh, yeah, Twitter yeah. spat. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I don't do that. Obviously, I just go to to the to the game now. Um, get there at about quarter to two. Have have a chat with my colleague at Nilos and also the the people that have put the scripts together and uh, the running order, and then um, after about. 20-25 minutes it's it's down into the Magnus Group West Stand just by the Players Tunnel to do the announcements from there because of the Covid restrictions I haven't been allowed anywhere near the pitch or I've been on the pitch been, yeah. two or three times yeah. but not wandering around like, like Rob used to do and yeah. there's been no half time penalty shootouts or anything oh, no, like that of course, obviously no, no. Uh, so that I would love to do but can't do at the moment yeah Although apparently today they've lifted just about all the restrictions, but we won't go into that. Indeed. I mean, I don't know what, how that leaves football for, for the rest of the season. Well, I know that, that uh, I don't think you have to show any uh, vaccine certification or anything or something. Anyway, we won't go into politics, otherwise we won't but, be But here. Town as a club have been held up as a, as a, as a beacon. As a, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Of dealing with that and making sure that people can be as safe as possible. Yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. So we should be proud of the club in that regard, certainly, because Definitely. they've done a really good job. And, you know, I, the, the number of forms I've had to fill in down the years or down mm. the last couple of years, um, you know, to make sure that um, I can get into the ground and has mm. uh, been you know, impressive, really, that, that they're bothered because mm. who knows what other clubs have been doing. But we're certainly one of the best, apparently. Well, the way games I've been to, I don't think there's... Oh, there's only been one, I think, where I've had to show anything, but hey-ho. Um, we need to get into tweets and emails, uh, Foz, because we're just about halfway through the show already. <laughs> um, I'll do these as usual, in chronological order, as they came in, so to speak. This is Kevin Beatty Foundation. This is Malk. Hiya, what a guest. Malcolm, nice of you to say so. Yeah, absolutely. Have you got me muddled up with somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so two questions, if I may. Are the playoffs still on? And do we need to lay pressure off McKenna? And secondly, are we watching Newcastle at 6.30 race tomorrow? Oh, as BT is back, that's the name of the horse, is yes. running again. Uh, yes, I'll, I'll put another fiver on it and might as well throw it in the bin, might not yet now. <laughs> but uh, yes, I'll certainly do that. Uh, what do you think, Foz? Um, I think the playoffs are on, I really do. Um, the way the team was playing um, under under Kieran for the first couple of games uh, was very, very impressive, particularly at Gillingham. I don't suppose we better talk too much about Bolton. That that was a bit disappointing, yeah. particularly for the thousand or so fans that that were there and um, and those listening on the radio. But yeah, I, I really think, although you look at the table, we are a little way off. But it's you know it's it's doable, isn't it? It's certainly doable. And, and yeah. string two or three wins together, which I know Town have struggled to do in recent years. Um, you know, I, I think yeah, we could be knocking on the top six. And the old cliche is there's always one team that 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 comes in at the yeah. end, isn't there, yeah. and sneaks in and sometimes yeah. gets promoted as a result of that. Yeah, we, we talked last week on the show of someone, um, Millwall were top of the league or in the top two at Christmas and Palace were right near the bottom. And at the end of the season, Palace went up via the playoffs and Millwall got relegated, strangely enough, at Ipswich when they drew 0-0 and mm. they needed to win. So it can happen. Yeah, it certainly completely. can happen. And, and why not? I mean, we have played some, some really good football um, under Kieran, haven't we? I think he's, yeah. he's been pretty impressive the way he's conducted himself, and and I really enjoy 
you know, the pre-match interviews, the post-match interviews. Um, he, he tells it as, as it is, yeah. and he's clearly very serious about his job. Yeah. And that I, I like, I like yeah. to hear. Absolutely, I, yeah. And, yeah, and where he's pleasure. come from is very impressive, obviously. Mm. Yeah, and Manchester United. I mean, it's it's. Pr- I make as a town fan. I am proud yeah. that the club has managed to recruit so well. Mm. You know, a, a top level coach from from the Premier League to, yeah. to manage the club. Yeah. I really am. Absolutely, and, and he came from out of the blue, so to speak, or out of the red, we should say. Yeah, we? but yeah. absolutely, I, I totally agree. Um, Julian Hughes. That's Julian. You met Julian earlier. He's town fan yeah. uh, he's in the building uh, evening GB and the Foz love the show too mate uh, question for the special guest he's very special today aren't you? <laughs> what's the biggest mistake you've made on the mic as a broadcaster and as, as an announcer Willow's question Willow is um, Jules's uh, granddaughter uh, Willow's question which has just arrived from HMP Parkhurst <laughs> <laughs> He's such a bad influence on Willow that she's been imprisoned. Uh, what has been your favourite ITFC kit of all time? So basically, I'll cut this short for you. Your biggest mistake on the mic, and or an, as an announcer or broadcaster, and the favourite kit? Well, I've had a few mistakes that I can tell you about, and, and, and many more that I can't really recall because they weren't what I'd call serious mistakes. But the worst mistake I ever made, but very few people knew about it, was covering a town game for BBC Radio Suffolk at St Andrews, the home of Birmingham BBC. City. And, of course, they were playing in, in their home kit, blue, and town were presumably in white. I can't remember exactly what colour we were playing in that night. Anyway, the second half began, and I forgot that we weren't playing in blue. So the commentary that I was providing for BBC Radio Suffolk at the start of the second half was me describing the action, but as if Ipswich were playing in blue. <laughs> I don't know how I managed it, but Terry Baxter was with me because he was about to take over yeah. the commentary. In fact, uh, anyone would have taken over after that and done a better job. Um, <laughs> sort of looked at me, astonished, and then I quickly realised what I'd done. And I, I made up a, a piece of action that I was supposedly looking at so I could get you know back, back to, to what it really was. No one back home was any the wiser because there was no TV coverage of it or anything. So, uh, yeah, no one listening online. It was before all that. Uh, but also nearby, probably laughing his head off, was uh, Five Lives' Pat Murphy. And funnily enough, I, I never got headhunted after that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got myself out of it, but my word, I, I still feel embarrassed thinking about it. What I was thinking about, I don't know. It's great that you managed to get away with it, though. Yeah, I, I mean, there uh, was tales of John Cobbold forgetting, you know, which colour town we're playing in. But, but knowing John Cobbold, he had a pretty good excuse. He did, yeah. He'd probably had a couple of glasses before the game. <laughs> a couple of bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, you know, I was stone cold sober, so I had no excuse whatsoever. But Terry Baxter's never let me forget that. And it's, it's a real embarrassment on, on the mic for me. Well, now you let everyone else know. Uh, but before that, yeah, I did... Um, when I was still working, or certainly I just left... Willis, Faber and Dumas, the insurance brokers in town. Did you used to work there? I worked there, so yeah. Did I. Late seven. Did you? What yeah. years? I think I joined in 75 or oh, something. Oh, right. I joined in 76. We were in the same building, Graham. Blimey. Yeah, because Karen, Karen Pickering used to do the swimming in the swimming pool, she didn't did, she? did, yeah. I think she was the only one that used it. Yeah. Well, I've, I used to play water polo in it. We won a water polo medal, would you believe? It's a claim to fame. No one else plays water polo. Um, I yeah. think I'd like to have seen that. Yeah. Not you and your trunks, but no. just to see how good or bad you were. 
I just I, I was in goal, so you just sort of stand there. Well, you don't stand there in the deep end, but you just, just yeah. stay afloat, yeah. basically. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I did a, a Miss Personality contest for them at the social club. Yeah, and Bobby Ferguson, um, who was town manager at the time, was the guest of honour and made the presentation at the end. And I was comparing. It was a very early compare job of mine. And right at the end, we had to make the presentation, and I introduced um, him up to the stage and introduced him as Bobby Robson. Oh, no. He was not happy, I can tell you. Well, there you go. There's another uh, mic announcement you could claim. I, as a, as I felt a, myself go so red. As a, as a thing. Um, we're going to have to rattle through these, um, Foss. Sorry, because we are Am I talking to... too much? No, no, that's good. It saves me doing it. Uh, <laughs> your favourite kit of all time? Well, I, th- I think the 61-62 kit... Really, because that's when Ipswich became known, certainly nationwide, as a great football team and club, and and obviously known um, worldwide as well mm. to some extent. And I've I've always wanted that replica kit, not the shorts or the socks. You hasten to add, yeah. I, I wouldn't be seen wearing them yeah. now, of course, well, not in public. <laughs> but I'd, I'd love the the shirt. And I, I go into the club shop from time to time, hoping that it'll be back on sale. But it it hasn't really no. reappeared. I, I'd love to get my hands on on a replica version of that. I they do did, love that. They do do a sort of copy with the red laces, didn't they? But that was nowhere near red laces with the white strip sleeve. That's, yeah, that, that not, was not, nothing like the. No, it wasn't. I, no. I th- I'm inclined to agree with you because that was my very first game when they were wearing that kit with the old badge as well. You're older than you look, aren't you? Yep. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Swiftly. Even, even, uh, evening GB and Foz. This is from Andrew. Evening GB and Foz. What's your favourite moment that you've witnessed at Portman Road? You have to make it quick, Foz. I suppose, like everyone, um, the playoff semi-final second leg oh, against yeah. Bolton yeah. was a wonderful occasion. Um, but it was a little bit sour for me, believe it or not, because I knew that I wouldn't be able to go to Wembley to cover the final. Um, because my boss at BBC at the time, Keith Beach, I've never forgotten him, I'll never forget him, um, decided that I'd already agreed to do a music event in Berris and Edmonds oh, for the right. BBC, and he wasn't going to let me go. So I missed the Wembley final. I did get invited to the celebrations afterwards at Trinity Park, thanks to Terry Baxter, actually, who was still talking to me uh, after the <laughs> Birmingham episode, although he was probably thankful because he got the commentary job shortly after that. But he, he did such a great job on the commentary, didn't he, for, for many years, particularly that, that Wembley final and the Martin Reusser goal, which will oh, yeah. go down in the annals. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was my favourite moment, but tinged with a bit of annoyance that I couldn't get to Wembley. But I did join in the celebrations on the pitch with Rob, and we had a great time. I um, suppose we, you could argue that the, the semi-final was the better game, much more exciting, I think. Yes, it was. It was one of the great games at Portman Road. The, yeah. the final wasn't bad, though, no, was it? No, it was a good final. But I did get to see it on Sky, because yeah. my programme finished at two, and I had to get back to see it, and no word of a lie, and hopefully, uh, perhaps some um, you know, police aren't listening to this, but it's, uh, it's a long time ago, I got back to Berries and Edmonds, uh, to Ipswich from Berry in 30 minutes. I left just <laughs> after two o'clock, got straight in the car, straight on the A14, and I was back home on my sofa by 2.30, ready to, ready to, to watch the game. So, uh, yes, I think I might have gone slightly over the speed limit at times, but only just. Tom Baines, what's the fastest you've ever driven down the A45 as it was there? No, <laughs> no uh, we're not going to go there. <laughs> oh, we uh, just have. If you could have an artist, living or dead, play for town, who would it be? He reckons Rag and Bone Man would make a great centre-back. 
a, a pop artist. Well, he said artist, so it could be. I'm guessing he's talking about a musician. Yeah, crikey, that's a that's a difficult one, isn't it? I'd still love to see Ed Sheeran turn out, you know. Yeah. Okay. Wearing his number seventeen shirt. Not sure how good he'd be, but I'll go for Igor Stravinsky because he turned music on its head, and he'd be like the new uh, James Norwood. I think be a bit, <laughs> a bit crazy. Yes. Uh, Mrs. Nuts, disappointing loss last week at Bolton, which I missed through illness. Bless you, Mrs. Nuts. Hope you're better now. Sam Morsey and Matt Penny very kindly swung by on the team bus on the way back to cheer me up and drop off a lovely fruit basket and a mixtape. Oh. That's great, isn't it? No, she just talks rubbish, Mrs. Nuts. She's well, got a picture of two street urchins. If it but they do look happy. like they do look like them. Yeah. Anything makes Mrs. Nuts happy, seriously. <laughs> uh, cognitive dissonance. Oh dissidence, sorry. Uh, great show, guys. Do you think Tam will sell James Norwood in this window? Personally, I think he should get another two year contract. No way should the club sell James Norwood, in in my opinion. Um he Same has, here. he has come good again. I mean, he he did go off the boil, but he did pick up a series of injuries. Exactly. And no one really knows what happened behind the scenes. No. All I know is that I saw James Norwood leave the ground a couple of times, you know, after the final whistle when he wasn't playing, and he wasn't a happy bunny. No. So he obviously felt that, you know, something needed to happen. And the new manager, well, John McGreal, John McGreal. before that. All, all credit to John McGreal, lovely guy, yeah. great town player, of course, um, brought him back in. And the rest, as they say, Graham, it's is hysteria. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Well, John until Ma- Bolton away. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure John. Mag- he wasn't happy being taken off of there either, was he? By all accounts, um, I'm sure John McGreal would have actually said to whoever um, that I'll, I'll take over as a temporary manager as long as Norris can play. I'm guessing mm. he must have sort of because he must have wanted him to play. Um, Tim Pashley, hello Tim. Now then, gents, I regularly go and watch Chichester City FC. That's hard. And their announcer can make a hash of anything other than Smith and Jones, if you get my drift. What is Stephen's biggest name nightmare? Your name nightmare. Well, I wouldn't say there's there's one in particular, but if you remember the pre-season friendly with Crystal Palace, um, a, a lot of players came on at the same time, and I looked at some of their names and realised that, one, I've never find out who was coming on for who and I just I just gave up I just think I said on the microphone that there are several Crystal Palace players coming on the field right now and, and left it at that because if you can't pronounce names or you don't even know who's coming on the field why say anything yeah, yeah. it's just going to make you look even sillier than you sound anyway I know some of the the, the commentaries during the lockdown when you've got free I follow or whatever it was and uh, sometimes you get the away commentators and they'd say, oh, and that's gone to an Ipswich player. And he's, oh, the Ipswich players are keeping it to themselves. And you think, well, who are these players? <laughs> anyway, so we have to move on. Carl Fuller, do you, you must know Carl. I know you? Carl, I thought yes. you were just all Hi, Carl. Um, hope you're well. Great to hear that you've landed the legendary Foz on the show for tonight. Two questions for him, if I may. Who is Foz's greatest ever player? Alan Hunter. Oh, not Kevin Beatty. Not Kevin Beatty. Uh, it's a close-run thing, but Alan Hunter, for me... He had something a bit special in that he was he was a far better footballer than people gave him credit for. Absolutely, but he was very very hard. And to look at him, you wouldn't think no. he would be. You know, you think Beattie was the hard man, as indeed he was. And Beattie was a very cultured player too, obviously. But Alan Hunter for me was a real character, and I like the thought of you know him and Beattie having a cigarette at halftime. Those, those sort of stories, and and uh, seeing how many times he could hoof the ball over the West Stand. Yes, the, yeah. or on occasions into his own net. Yeah, do you remember yeah. that Liverpool game? I do, yes. One, I of the, do. one of the greatest own goals I've ever seen. And Well, I say greatest, that's probably not the right word, but 
it was it was something to behold, something to behold. Really, wasn't it? It was. Um, I won't ask you about the, the next question. The next one was about the PA announcer. Talking of Alan Hunter, I remember that they used to have what they call a pen, where you basically say your favourite, what's your favourite film, what's your favourite food, favourite restaurant, blah, blah. And they asked him in the, when he made his debut, it was in the programme, which uh, celebrity would you most like to meet? And he said, I'd like to meet the guy who nicked my car from Blackburn Railway Station. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have to move on to, uh, where are we, quickly? We've only got Did a minute. Did you mention the PA? How, how long have we got? Yeah, you, got to, you can mention the PA if you quickly want to. But I'm you've got a minute and a half. The club is assuring everyone, in fact, did so at the fans' forum, that the PA will be sorted in the closed season. They can't do it now because there are about 140 speakers need replacing, if not repairing. Um, and you need cherry pickers to get at them because they're so high. And obviously the cherry pickers would, would ruin the pitch during the season. So um, that's all going to happen in the closed season. So hopefully it won't just be the West Stand, the Magnus Group West Stand, who can hear me. Hopefully they'll be able to hear me in Sir Alf. And Sir Bobby, I'm not sure whether they can hear me in cobbles or not, but we, we get the worst complaints from people in Sir Alf and Sir Bobby. But it's not it's not my personal fault. I talk into a microphone, which is obviously plumbed into a system which clearly has seen better days. Um, a tweet we had earlier, which I thought I'd bookmark, but obviously didn't uh, complain about playing music of any sort. But it's particularly Sweet Caroline at the end end of the match. He claims a lot of clubs don't play any music and. Why should you be playing music? Something like, I, I can't read it out because it's not here. I, I know what people are saying. They'd rather have the crowd clapping and applauding than having Sweet Caroline, for instance, coming yes, out. Yes, indeed. End. And we did do that at the last home game. Um, I think I'm right in saying. Um, I'm responsible for the, the announcements. and, and the, Yeah, not the music. I know you, the music. Like you've told me this, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'll hold my hands up to, to that. Um, but obviously I do have some sort of say or suggest things to my, my colleague Nilos, and it, it is on the agenda. And I See, think we have to go. Sorry, I've got to talk over you. I must apologise. Big apologies to Slowball because we haven't had time to read your missive, as you call it. Out. Um, we'll sort it out, won't we, Foz? And you'll, we'll have to come on again. Take care. <laughs>